Hello, everyone. I'm T.D. Worthington, pastor of the Pathway Baptist Church in Goldsboro, North Carolina, and this is Pathlight. We're so glad to have you tuned in to today's program. In just a few moments, I've got a special message uh, for you from the Word of God entitled, Secure Enough to be Small. Secure Enough to be small, but just just before the message today and our musical selection, I've got to, I've got for you. I'd like to just mention very quickly again, a big word of thank you to everyone who has supported thus far the Go Mix Fall Sharathon. With your help, with your prayers, with your uh, financial contributions, we've been able to well gain a lot of headway in reaching our final goal. Now, we'd like to encourage you if you've not given yet to please do so, because uh, your your help is vital to helping us continue the. The, the broadcast ministry that we have over the 10 frequencies we currently have. And also, it'll put us in a good position to grow and expand in the future as opportunities may come our way. Hardly, uh, hardly a day almost, but certainly hardly a week goes by that someone does not uh, mention, is there some way we can get Go Mix in our area? And of course, we, we tell them about uh, they can get it online, they can listen to it through their Alexa or other uh, device like that. But, but nevertheless, many people like to hear it in their cars and things like that. And of course, that, thereby, radio becomes very, very important. As good as some of the social media sites are and things like that, nothing has really yet uh, beaten traditional on-air radio for getting the uh, for getting the word of god out for getting the message out so we appreciate your support please be in prayer as we continue to head toward our final goal for the go mix fall Sheraton. Right now, just before today's message, though, I've got a musical selection coming your way that I trust you, uh, I trust you will enjoy. This is Karen Peck and New River singing for us on today's Pathlight program. It's called "That's Why." They call it uh, they call it grace. Last night in a dream, I took a journey. I was trembling as I stood among the crowd. Some said crucify him, others mocked and laughed. Not one soul came forward to speak on his behalf. I found myself drawn to this stranger. And I saw such compassion in his eyes Then he said, the debt you owed will soon be covered When the Lamb of God is crucified That's why they call it grace That's why they call it mercy Tears ran down my face For I was
Karen Peck and New River, and that's why. That's why they call it grace. Again, we want to thank you for tuning in to today's Pathlight program. My message is entitled, Secure Enough to Be Small. The Bible says in the book of Romans uh, that, For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. That's Romans chapter 12 and verse number 3. I was reading also a little while ago in Proverbs chapter 30 verses 7 through 9, and let me paraphrase that, where the writer is saying, you know, Lord, I don't want to be super wealthy or super full, if you will, because if if I am, I might feel self-sufficient. I might feel like I don't need you. If I've already got everything, uh, I might uh, get high-minded, prideful, and say, well, I don't need God because I've already got everything. He said, on the other hand, I don't want to be so poor and so hungry that I might be tempted to steal. And and what he's saying is, I'd like to be in the middle. I don't, I don't, I don't want to be so rich that I don't depend on God, but I don't want to be so poor that I can't provide for my family and look after uh, myself uh, either. I, I, Lord, just, just make me a middle class, I guess, is what I'm saying. And, and what, what I believe we're learning in Proverbs, and what I want to share with you this morning, is learning to be content with who you are, as you are. Now, that doesn't mean you're not to grow. It doesn't mean you're not to try to improve yourself as you're able, but it also means a sense of contentment at who you are right now, as you are right now, knowing that you're accepted in Christ, that Christ knows all about me, and yet he still loves me, and and yet I am content in Christ. I don't necessarily need anyone else's approval, although I'm not saying it's not nice. I don't need their recognition. I don't need their praise. I'm comfortable in my own flesh. And here again, any servant likes to know that his service is being uh, helpful to people. Don't get me wrong. Everybody likes a pat on the back every now and then. I understand that. Every preacher likes to hear, Pastor, your sermon really ministered to me today, because any servant wants some kind of validation that that his service is, is helping folks because because that's the very nature of his life. That's the nature of his ministry. But you don't have to have it. You don't have to have the approval, the recognition, the praise, because you are secure enough to be small. You're content in Christ. You're content in your own flesh, if you will, with who you are as you are. Now, we live in a day in which understatement is an endangered species. There is no shortage of embellishment or exaggeration. Every advertisement you see or hear will likely tell you their product, their service, what they're offering is better than anyone else's. And and if not, if it doesn't go that way, it'll probably go another way and tell you that their product, as great as it was, is improved now. Uh, we've made it even better. So if you tried it a month ago, you didn't like it, try it again. You're going to like it now because it's better than better than ever now that we've improved it and, and made it different. Uh, think about political ads for just a moment. Every candidate is going to quickly tell you how much better they are than any other candidate. Now, that may or may not be true, but, but, the, but the point is many times they'll use exaggeration. They'll use embellishment or sometimes just downright deception in order to try to prove that they are better than the 
fellow they're running against or the person they're running against. Apparently, everything is bigger and better than it used to be, but yet you and I both know it really isn't. In our society of hype, we also embellish our own online profiles. We select our most flattering photographs, highlight our most impressive accomplishments. We fill our timeline with the, con all the confirming data we possibly can, all carefully curated to make us look, well, to make us look good in employment circles. We're enduring today an epidemic of over-promising and underperforming. When you hire a guy for a job, he tells you, oh, yeah, I'm going to be great. I'm going to be on time. I'm going to be dependable. I'm going to be loyal. I'm going to work hard. And later you find that just isn't true. They over-promise and underperform. Few seem to have the humility to speak and report the truth. Now, I'm not talking about being down on yourself. I'm not talking about walking around with your head bowed all the time saying, well, I'm just no good. I'm nobody. No, no, that, that's not what I'm talking about. But sadly, many of us in the Christian community fall prey to this cultural pressure. Our, our church and ministry programs are filled with as much pop as often the world's entertainment venues are. But what if we unsubscribed from this madness? What if we ask ourselves, how do I humble myself before God and even before man? Wise men and women want to be humble because God lifts up and exalts the humble. God puts down the prideful and the arrogant. And yet, ironically, the first lesson we learn in pursuit of humility is that it's not something we can just up and do. You can't wake up tomorrow morning and say, gee, I think today I'm going to be humble. It really doesn't work that way. You may get away with it for a while, but ultimately you're not going to have lasting success because the first step in seeking humility is a humbling one because we know humility begins with God's initiative and God's power and none ours. However, even through self-humbling, and even though it is beyond our control, God does give us the dignity in participating, at least to some degree in the process, and the opportunity to prepare our hearts to be humbled. Again, that scripture in Romans 12, 3, I read a moment ago, I'll read again in a moment, is one of the most important words in the Bible about humility. It gives us a glimpse into the kind of heart that's ready to receive God's humbling hand wherever that hand may fall. Again, the scripture says, for I say... Through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. C.S. Lewis puts it this way. He says that humility does not mean thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Uh, what, what, a, what a tremendous uh, terminology he's giving that. It don't mean thinking less of yourself. As I said a moment ago, it's not walking around all the time saying I'm a nobody. No, it's not that. But it's thinking of yourself less, more than just guarding against swollen views of self. The Apostle Paul says in this text, we should think soberly, but to think soberly, he says, which I, I take to mean, among other things, don't spend a great deal of time thinking about yourself at all. Uh, what it might mean then as a Christian is to think with sober judgment about yourself. You know, uh, the, the big thing we'll do well is to remember what kind of world we're living in right now is one swollen by inflated views of self. 
We cannot take our bearings from our surroundings. We cannot take our bearings from the world and at the same time cultivate sober judgment about ourselves. In the verse before Romans 12, 3, Paul says this in Romans 12, 2. He says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Romans 12, 2. From the beginning, from humanity's very first sin, We've been overestimating ourselves. That's what Eve did. When the devil came to her and tempted her, she said, okay, well, I think I can make this decision. I don't need to consult with God. I don't need to consult with Adam. I, I, I don't need to dwell on this, think on this. I'm confident with the decision I'm about to take. Yes, I'll take the fruit and I'll eat it. We, from, from, from our very first sin, we've been overestimating ourselves, overestimating our ability, our ability to do the right thing and to make the right decisions. And as sin has taken root, and grown and spread and borne fruit in our world, one age after another has sought to, well, to outdo the generation before it in this area of self-regard. Maybe modern, maybe modern humans are no more swollen in pride or self-regard than our ancestors, but the thing is we have a bigger box of powerful tools for going into all the world and telling everybody how great they are. Maybe it's possible my grandparents and great-grandparents were more prideful than I am. I don't know. But the point is I've got a bigger soapbox. Man, I can get on social media. I can get on radio. I can, I can get on television. I, 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 I've got numerous ways, and many of them almost, uh, almost free, to tell the world how wonderful I am. They didn't have these opportunities. It's in the air. It's on our screens. If we look around the world, uh, look at the world around us as a standard, we'll even look for even more ways to make ourselves look good because that's what everybody else is doing. Boy, my neighbor is making himself look real good on, uh, on social media, so uh, I, I need to make myself look better. We need to get our personal assessment from God. We need to be constantly recalibrated by the rhythms of God. Humility may feel like underestimating self because our world is so bent, our age is so bent on overestimating self. The goal is not to underestimate ourselves. No, it's not. But it's to think with sober judgment in, an, in a generation that's intoxicated with pride, arrogance, and self. You know, Jesus told a parable when he saw the evidence of such pride in those that were attending the wedding. Rather than presuming to sit in the place of honor, he instructed them with this counsel. This is Luke 14, 10 and 11. But when thou art bidden, go and sit down in the lowest room, that when he that bade thee cometh, he may say unto thee, Friend, go up higher. Then shalt thou have the worship in the presence of them that said it meet with thee. For whosoever exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Christ is having his disciples think of themselves as ordinary, not, not special, as lowly, normal, one of the flock, not as a rabbi or a teacher or an instructor in Matthew 23, 8 through 12. No, he's saying you're not a cut above the common man, but you're a happy, ordinary servant, even of all men. Whoever will be great among you, let him be your servant, the Lord said. And he even said, come to me even as a child, Matthew 18, 
Three, a child as one who knows his smallness, knows his dependence. Uh, a child knows, and maybe our children today are not as aware of this as children of prior generations, but most kids, if they think about it, know they can't put a roof over their own head. They can't feed themselves. At least they can't go out and provide their own food. They can't provide their own clothing. They can't look after themselves. No, they need someone to do it. And Jesus says, you need to come as a child. No need of pretending to be strong and self-sufficient because children know they're small and they're too modest to pretend otherwise. He says, when you're bidden somewhere, don't presume you can go up and sit at the head of the table. He said, if, if you walk in now, if you've been invited to come and sit at the head of the table, that's one thing. That's what he's saying. But he said, if you just come in, just, just don't be presumptuous that you get the best seat in the house. He said, come on in, sit down, sit down in the corner, sit down in some inconspicuous place. He said, then if the head of the event, the head of the wedding, the head of the affair comes to you and say, hey, hey, man, good to see you. Come on up here and sit with me. I want you to come up here and sit with me. He said, then go and sit with him. Go and sit with him. Because you're bidden to do so. But don't assume that's your place. Don't assume it's your place to sit in the front seat. Don't assume it's your place to be at the front of the bus. Don't assume it's your place to be at the head of the table. He says, no, if you're invited to be there by someone in authority, great. Go, go for it. It's fine. But even then, of course, don't be lifted in pride. But go for it. But don't assume you're supposed to be there. In other words, again, the title of our message, be secure enough to be small. So we as God's children reject the world's pattern of self-exaltation and self-pity. But how will we discern what we really think about ourselves and, and, and whether it's sober or swollen? How will I know if I'm sober or swollen? How will I know if, I'm fallen, if I've fallen into the trap of self-exaltation? Let me answer that. It will eventually, sooner or later, come out your mouth. All right. Our assessment of ourselves will eventually, eventually come out our mouths. Consider the countless times in everyday life when how we think about ourselves comes out for all to hear and all to see. How do you introduce yourself to a new person? How do you tell your story? How polished a version of yourself do you put forward online? How often do your words slide into the not so humble brag? You presume and anticipate public acknowledgement, public appreciation from other people, public exaltation. Do you deliberately but falsely put yourself down sometimes, secretly hoping that someone will swoop in and corrupt you? Uh, you know, when, when you paint a wall, do you look over there and say, well, you know, I painted that, but I, I'm not the best painter in the world. I, I did the best I could. But, but the whole time you're saying it, you're hoping someone will say, no, 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 you did a great job. You did a wonderful job. Here again, it sounds humble, but it's not because you're looking for someone to validate how wonderful you are. And sometimes when we put ourselves down, we're doing it just for that very reason. Oh, well, I'm not very smart, or I don't know. Oh, no, 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 you're very smart. You know, and many times we put ourselves down in front of the very people we know are going to do that. So inside, it's, well, it's still pride, isn't it? Do you presume the greater seat or happily head for the cheaper seats, if you, if you will, and wait for someone else to exalt you? Thinking with sober judgment may begin in our heads, and our hearts, but it's going to eventually come out, come out in our words. And our words in the world not only reveal our inner person, 
but also as we say those words over and over, they shape our minds and our hearts into going forward. Like a child, we should all be secure enough to be small. You know, when I think of that, I think of, uh, of Clark Kent and Superman in the old comics. Remember that? That, uh, that Superman, boy, he's able to leap tall buildings with a single bound, stronger than a locomotive and all the other stuff we learn about Superman. But yet, as he went around town, he was as the mild-mannered, I believe is what he was called, reporter. Uh, somewhat of a dorky reporter in reality. He seemed weak. He, he seemed like he didn't have any power, didn't have any authority, uh, you know, always taking orders from others. You know, he was just Clark Kent, some one of the, the dorky newspaper reporter. Now, I'm not saying you've got a character that extreme, but I'm saying that's, that's what we are. That's what we are. He was content being Clark Kent. He was content being Clark. He was content with people thinking he was powerful. That's okay. He knew deep down he had power. He knew deep down he was capable of doing uh, Superman most anything. But yet he was content with not letting everybody necessarily know that and not getting on a platform and telling everybody, hey, back off. I'm Superman, okay? And many times we ought to be the same way. Be secure enough to be, to be small. Be secure enough. To be small. It's refreshing to find someone who will downplay his abilities. And again, I'm not talking about putting yourself down. I'm just simply saying he's content with not having his abilities and his accomplishments uh, bragged from his own mouth and allow others to experience the rare opportunity of discovering something more impressive than promised or thought. You know, isn't that kind of interesting today? When you hire somebody or you're around somebody and, uh, you know, he, he kind of says, well, I'm just an ordinary guy. I just do the best I can, you know. And all of a sudden, after you're around him for a while, you come to the conclusion, this is not an ordinary guy. No, this, this guy works hard. He works, he works, uh, he, he, he works uh, a lot harder than anybody else. Boy, he's more dependable than anybody else. This guy's a great worker. He didn't tell me all that. He just told me, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll do the best I can for you. I'll try to do a good job. But man, he is the best guy I got. He's, he's the best guy I got. Isn't it refreshing to be able to come to that decision about someone because someone didn't brag about themselves and all of a sudden you come to the conclusion that, wow, this person is really, is really a super person. You don't get a chance to do that often because usually most people bring themselves up. It's humble to understate ourselves to such a point where we're secure enough in Christ to have our qualities go unacknowledged. And sometimes even our work go unacknowledged. That you don't have to brag that I did this and I did that and, and look at what I've done. Look at my accomplishments. No, no, you're pretty content with just doing them. Knowing God's satisfied and you're satisfied, that's good enough. It's fine if you don't know how great I am or how, uh, how smart I am or how rich I am or how powerful I am or how important I am. It's okay if you don't know that. You may find out later. You may not. But either way, I'm content in Christ. When Christ is our security. We learn to be content with our lives being our lives being more dramatic in the living of them than our telling of them. That I get more excitement day by day out of living my life than I do out of telling people about my life. And that's not saying that it's wrong to share a testimony. That's not what I'm saying. It's certainly right and proper and good to share your testimony of what God's doing in your life. But we often allow others to discover that for themselves 
and see it. Rather than making subtle and sometimes shameless efforts to have others think we're more impressive than we really are, we're happy to have them underestimate what otherwise might, might amaze them. Ultimately, it's the bigness and unsurpassed beauty of Jesus Christ, who's the brightness of His glory, Hebrews 1.3, and whose worth we cannot overstate, that frees us from exaggeration and inspires us to under, understate ourselves because I'm in Christ. I'm one of His children. I'm a part of His family. I'm a born-again child of God. I'm going to heaven one day. I'm a child of the King. I've been redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, and that makes me secure enough to be small. I'm okay. I don't have to be right in your eyes. I don't have to be acclaimed in your eyes. I don't have to be somebody in your eyes because I know I have all these things in Jesus Christ. As we're increasingly impressed with our Lord, we lose our need to be impressed with ourselves. Again, I want to make sure you understand, I am not talking today about putting yourself down. I'm not talking about that. You are a child of God, and boy, I tell you what, that is a tremendous, a tremendous thing to be, well, I'll say prideful of in a godly, in a godly sort of way. It's just simply saying, I don't need to exalt myself. I don't. Hopefully, others will see my good works, and they'll glorify the Father because of them. I don't have to tell them about them, but hopefully they'll see them and they'll glorify my Father, which is in heaven. I hope our program is a blessing to you. Again, the title of today's message is Secure Enough to Be Small. If you're listening on radio, this message is also available on Facebook and the podcast. Till next time, T.D. Worthington say, May God richly bless you is my prayer. You have a wonderful, safe, and holy week as you walk with our Lord. <laughs>